0: Okay. We're doing this. We're doing this and we should be drinking, but we're actually caffeinating at the end of the day. I don't know what's going on, but it's going to be a great show. I can't wait to introduce my guest today. He's an absolute beast and you'll understand the pun in a, a moment or two. Oh Man, you've probably gotten that a lot. But anyways, he is great. Who is he, Casey? Who is he? Get right to it. He's a serial entrepreneur, a podcaster, a thought leader in the space. He has a, his own podcast. He's created a B2B. The b to Beast Content System, CEO and Creative Director of Beast Node, Travis Lochner. Welcome to the show, sir.
1: Hello, hello, hello. Glad to be here, man. It is an honor to be here finally.
0: Well, likewise, I can't <laughs> to learn from you and mostly just mess around and completely waste an hour with you having a great time. We already did. Like people <laughs> understand, uh, we we've basically done 12 minutes of this show and just didn't record it. Um, Yeah, note to self, (laughs) when you get on the phone with Travis, hit record, hit record and see what happens. Uh, But dude, I'm excited. I want to start this show off the way we start every show, which is by asking you this question, right? So Travis, pull back the curtain for us on your show, shows, and share your most important strategy for a great interview podcast.
1: This is non-traditional because it has nothing to do with the actual interview. Uh, And that is integrate a segment of entertainment. There are plenty of podcasts that are extremely informational, extremely informative, but they are boring as hell. (laughs) And uh, the best shows that are succeeding and are sustaining and generating positive ROI have at least some element of entertainment attached to it. So my best advice, which is something I've done with my own shows and every one of our clients, is how can we develop a segment that highlights your business's service or product or offer in an entertaining way. And if you can answer that question in your content strategy and in your show development, your show will be wildly more successful than those mm-hmm. that focus on only the informative elements of only generating industry authority um, because we are human. Ultimately, no matter how deep you get down the executive food chain, it gets very stale and tighter collars and tighter ties. Totally. Um, but ultimately they're still all humans that enjoy entertainment and music and games and Fun stuff that we actually enjoy. And that's where a lot of the magic is that a lot of people completely put that off to the side when it comes to building their show. So, Man, this is a unique piece. So I good. Hammer home from the start.
0: And what's great about uh, this show is that it gets super meta, right? We're on a podcast talking about podcasting. And then when stuff like this comes up, I immediately go, Oh my God, am I boring? Oh my God. I and mean, then I think about it the rest of the show. I'll be thinking like, oh no, I'm my like, boy. So this is great, man. This is totally great. Talk to me. I, I this is the magic powers. This is why people work with you. How do you how do you take some company? What, what kind of segments? I'm give me some examples. Like, how do you how do you make things fun? And I feel like we all know this, but we put it behind us. We put it on hold. Like, oh, we're we're being serious B2B professionals here. We have to be all buttoned up. But like, how do you unbutton these folks?
1: Yes, this is such a fun uh, challenge slash opportunity to explore. Uh, So I got two examples I think you'll really like. One is in software. So we were working with a client that was targeting sales teams, very large, any company or team that has a ton of sales reps. They essentially provided gamification software to increase engagement among your sales reps. So this like is their it. bread and butter, what they do. Um, very difficult to pitch in a demo. Hey, we'd love to show you our gamification program that could increase response rates by 22%. <laughs> like that's usually where a lot of these business conversations yeah. start. Um, and they were often getting declined, deflected. We were, They were even trying to pay people. Like, we'll give you a $100 gift card to sit down (laughs) on this demo, like, because it was a brilliant product with great user experience. Um, They just had to open the door for those right folks um, and get it on their radar. So what we developed is on their podcast, Enterprise Eyeballs, which was about capturing attention and sales and deals in the enterprise context. We added a game that the guest plays. So at the end of every single show, they go through and there's this custom branded game that they go through. It's kind of almost like that little helicopter game where it, it rises and it lifts, and you have to go through letters. Oh, really? Uh, th- go through the Kinda levels, like, like
0: Flappy Bird, too, where you, exactly. you go up. Exactly, exactly oh, cool.
1: like Flappy Bird. Uh, I know the helicopter version, but same concept. Um, <laughs> and they go; the guest goes through it. And then they realize at the end of the show, that was actually the gamification software that their reps could be using or would be using. Uh, so it's revealed on the show after they've played a game uh, that they actually just use the software without even realizing it, without even using it. So okay. the guest themselves is having an epiphany moment of, oh, we could actually use this on our with our sales team and get them to jump in It's and you see the gears shifting. So, yeah. uh, it was one of my favorite examples, because again, it's like, we were just mentioning, it's very meta. Like you literally yeah. go through it and it speaks for itself. Um, so it's was a super powerful way that without fail, they, the demos that they were begging for before. Yeah. People went through without even realizing it. And then they connect the dots afterwards and, it's great content people have fun they get frustrated going through it uh we there's a high score of who's like the the best on the show and all it is is just a 60 second segment we just throw at the end of the show and it was one of the best decisions we've made that every conversation steers back towards their software their product their service and in most cases, if you're just hammering home the authority, it doesn't quite work like that. So that is right. a meta example of literally integrating the product or the software into the production. Example number two. Real quick. Is a, so, uh, yeah, like, yeah, go for just
0: it. like uh, deep diving into that. So do they play the game at the end or they play the game some other time and then you put it at the end?
1: Nope. They play it literally in real time with the host. Um, so the host kind of brings them to it and they go through it, okay. they get their their score. Um, and then he essentially explains the concept of the software is uh, getting reps to re-engage with new deals. So a massive company like Dell or something, they have a whole new line of products coming out and they have thousands of reps to get this out there and sell it. So their software basically gamifies that process of jumping back in, see what are the new deals, what are this, and you level up and you get experience points and there's rewards and incentive oh, cool. programs and um, all kinds of stuff attached to it. But ultimately it was about getting those teams and those reps engaged. And the key yeah. stakeholder to do that is the, the director of sales, or whoever's the director of that region, is usually how it's often broken down. So that is That's who we cool. targeted with the show. Those were the enterprise like all stars we kind of brought in. Right, and he's with that decision maker every single time, hammering home that offer, that solution, that game.
0: So they're they're doing like a, like an interview. They're chit chatting. It's like like you and I get done here, and then we're gonna go play tic tac toe, or like, but we're, we're gonna stay on this. We'll maybe do a little screen share. I'll link you to the app and then they play a game. So it, yep. it, it kind of just flows right into it. And then I'm sure those, those watching or listening are like, oh, the game's coming up. I know it's about to happen.
1: It's one of the best things uh, for retention as well. Uh, so yeah. it's, I just simply call it a segment. So sure. as with every show, you, you just have a closing segment. So it doesn't have to be like, oh, the show's over. Now we go play a game. It's like, we're just going to wrap things up now. With the closing game or the closing segment which is usually a nice way to kind of open open people up uh, as well after they've gone through they've done their professional uh got their bullet points across uh, now you can kind of crack them open and get a more human experience do you prepare them for
0: that in advance
1: uh, we let them know that the segment exists. Sure. Um, but I, do, I try not to over prepare guests. Um, I've discovered a lot of the times that does more harm than good. So the mm. theory I stick with is just having segments and bumper lanes to keep the show on track, but not word for word script. And if exact 22 questions you're going to ask in this order. Right. Um, you can just start to feel it. It creates this kind of unorganic friction um mm. there's there's a time and a place for that but for most of the shows we run we do a segment-based strategy where all you have to do is hit the intro segment hit the main interview segment hit the closing segment boom and that's a successful show um there may be all kinds of navigation in between what happens in each of those yeah. uh, but at least the bumper lanes are set for success from the start so that's cool. the middle ground we usually land on when running and producing those shows
0: cool and I, I can imagine you wouldn't want to prep them too much for the game so they jump the shark and kind of get in a sense for it you want a little bit of a surprise like oh we're gonna do something weird at the end cool all right i'll roll with it whatever fine or maybe they didn't read the stuff at all they have no yeah. idea that's fine too
1: human reactions like exactly yeah. like you're saying the improvised moments are often one of the best pieces of the show um, and it leads perfectly into the the second example I was going to share, uh, yeah, which neat. is leading into uh, getting a truly human reaction. So a different show we were running, the Cargo Margo show. Um, she essentially is targeting high-level enterprise folks. Um so we built her own little brand, her own little show, uh, and she wanted something fun. She was like, everybody in this industry is just so stale, very old school, blue collar dudes. Like you can just feel how stuffy it is. Man. So we wanted to break open and get a more human side of them. So we did another integration where they ship a box to the guest that they open on the show and they cool. open literally there. So, um, they, before the show, they get booked and they get a, a package that essentially arrives, uh, similar, just like a gift box and they open it on the show. So there's a whole genre of YouTube videos <laughs> with billions of views of people just opening stuff. On unboxing, boxes. So right? It's like totally a thing. something about just being part of that and watching people do it that you like. So there was this unboxing element, um, um of them being a logistics company and getting that package there the day of the show. So it's kind of an impressive like, here's what we can do with logistics, this, that, kind of showing oh, them in that a context. logistics
0: company, so that makes total sense. Exactly. Okay, so it, it ties in, yeah, like you said, ties into so their service, yeah. There's a
1: meta element of like, oh, these guys know what they're doing for sure. Um, yeah. Then they unbox it on stream, there's branded products, there's a custom gift. Um, a guy that's that played baseball found one of his old like favorite players. Get him like an engraved ball, like so, like custom, like
0: really really some, custom,
1: like semi custom. I would semi-custom. say Sem- okay. semi-custom. Not okay. <laughs> custom. <laughs> semi custom. Maybe
0: that's super custom. Autograph baseball um, or something like that.
1: enough to be personalized that it was for yeah. them. It's not just here. Send this to guess one. Boom. Guess two. Boom. Guess three. But there's an emotional reaction in that moment. Yeah. So that was the first piece to kind of give this unboxing. Watch these people like. grown ass dudes, like kind of get like a, a sentimental like, uh, like look in their eye and everything like that's the stuff that pulls people further into the story into the brand into the company. So that was a huge piece of it. And then at the bottom of the box, we, uh, there's a pack of jelly beans. And that pack of jelly beans, uh, you may be familiar with it. There's a uh, Jelly Belly brand called Bean Boozled, which is essentially a prank jelly beans where half of them are delicious and half of them are disgusting. So we essentially set up a closing game show uh, called Spill the Beans where they uh, answer a personal kind of fun question and yeah. then each, the guest and the host take a jelly bean. And you don't know if it's going to be disgusting or delicious. And it's a bit of a wild card of watching, A, what's it going to be? And then yeah. B, watching people's reactions um, is one of the most hilarious things we've done <laughs> on <laughs> a professional stream to watch grown executives uh, running multi-million dollar companies suddenly get a, a jelly bean that like tastes like liver and onions and then all of their demeanor and stature has suddenly gone out the gate of <laughs> the reactions the words that come along <laughs> with that um and it was just one of my favorite segments um was to be able to really just end the show they have a great time it's fun it's not super harmful in any way um but it's one of the most humanizing things mm. that we've really done with these boring stale interview podcasts watching somebody <laughs> give it uh those Gosh. facial reactions and just that whole experience they're suddenly laughing or smiling or bantering or sort of half half insulting the host like why would yeah. you do this to me um it's just a whole different energy that If you just had a plain Jane interview, like you're never going to get that side of this person. They're going to go on to their next meeting and they
0: probably won't even remember they were on that show ever again. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. People forget that. I mean, sometimes if you're on one podcast, you're probably on four and they blur after a while. Like, oh yeah, it was that one. It wasn't too memorable. But yeah, the jelly bean gross out. You know, I'd be, I'd be all excited to get a Dr. Pepper, but, you know, the earwax one would be just like, what is going on? What is going on here? Um, but it, it, all these segments happen at the end. Typically, your fun, the fun happens at the end.
1: I have, I think, yeah, there is an alternative theory of kind of doing, going court, sort of icebreaker theory um, of let's loosen it up. Let's have some fun. Um, But for high end business and truly, truly developing the relationship, um, especially the way we leverage and use these shows, a lot of the times the host is using this for discovery, for rapport and essentially selling. It's their first touch point in a sales funnel. So we really do want to set the tone, set the authority that you know what you're talking about. Um, Let them get out. A lot of the times when people come onto podcasts, they know in their head, they're like, okay, I want to hit this, this, and this. Um, And then once they get past that moment and they get that out of their head, you start to get more of their real version. So by natural... I guess preference, we've plugged those into the end. It has felt a little bit more professional to get the job done first, Mm. then let's have some fun. Um, Doesn't always have to be that way. There is definitely room to play kind of the icebreaker strategy and throw that at the front end, and then they're engaged. They're like, whoa, what was that? All right, let's get it. Um, But for the most part, I think setting the tone, getting the main, getting the job done first, and then having some fun after is a more... Ideal order of operations.
0: Yeah, I could. I right. I could see going either way, but maybe it works the best having it at the end because you spent a whole show together. It was a great show. We're tired. We're not really thinking about it anymore. You're not. You're not as uptight. You're more relaxed. Hey, this guy is great. We had a good interview. What could it possibly happen? You know. Yep. Um, so it's a lot more. You're a lot more relaxed at the end. So. This came up earlier and it was all I could do not to go down the rabbit hole before I heard the other examples because, I mean, we we could talk about having fun all day, but a couple things popped up, the idea about the prep. So take me to, and, and you mentioned not wanting to overly prepare the guests. So what, what kind of prep do you recommend? I, I heard seg, you know, like a segment strategy. Do you, are you letting them know anything in advance? What kind of things do you do to prep your guests?
1: Uh, So there's two pieces, I guess, on our end, uh, because we operate as producer. uh, So we operate a a lot on the host side as well of having the host prepared for the show is a huge piece. So uh, ultimately...
0: What do you want to talk about first? Prepping the guest or prepping your host?
1: Let's do host first because it leads into the guest experience. So... Yeah. uh, The three layers, I guess, is the show itself, setting up the show so that it has clear bumper lanes to hit. Segment one, two, three is a successful show. Having that clear destination and super simple makes it uh, less of a like, oh, I got to go fill time for 45 minutes. Yeah, And it's more, and and it's just as long as I do these three things, boom, 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 we had a good show. And of course, there is an average duration or an estimated duration and a little bit of time control to play with. But for the most part, simplify it the same way you would a sales call. You don't want to overwhelm somebody and be like, so our process is a 45-minute call on this end. And then we jump into your first playbook and then we tap in and then they're like, oh, God, it's just, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a quick intro. A primary interview, and then we'll play a quick little game here, the last five minutes. That's way less daunting for both the host and the guest. Yeah. Uh, So set that tone and simplify it. Uh, And then on the host side, their only goal is to let the guest be the best version of themselves. Uh, So anyway, they can throw softballs. Uh, Research is often a huge piece of this. Um, When using research, it's not just to go research and say, oh, so we saw you did this, this, and this. How was it? Um, It's use that research to go one level deeper on everything. Uh, So what we usually do on the host side is we prepare just a couple bullet points uh, that could be extrapolated deeper. Um, so if they were featured in a Forbes hu- article re- last year on top 10, this, that, like, if a thing like, oh, well, that's interesting, what the heck happened there? Um, right. If they have a new book coming out, if they have, there's little things like that that will load up with the host to basically just use as anchor points. So uh, we don't prep question for question we essentially prep bullet point topics let's explore this let's follow up here uh that's as personalized as it gets per guest and then on the show one of the things we encourage is a signature question so similar to that that we did right at the beginning of this um, having a single question or single segment that happens every time is a really great way to simplify for the host and for the guest and for the content, they're like, oh, I know this one's coming up. Like, yeah, um, even the listeners as well, they kind of have that moment if it's set up right of waiting for the question. Like, Right. Um, so that would be as far as I would go on the prep side is know the guest, know any recent milestones or talking points that are worth exploring. And truly the show itself should have a North Star of exactly what it's meant to do. Mm. From the start. And in most cases, it's extract and highlight the expertise of the guest. Um, Obviously, there's other types of shows and stuff, but 90% of the time, that is the default goal. Um, And then uh, indirectly, you absorb a lot of that spotlight. I think a lot of people, unless... Yeah, was your goal from the start. I guess it should be a solo show. But a lot of people use interview shows to show to exemplify all of their expertise and stories and share the same things over and over. Um there's some value in that, depending on the relevancy and the context of the conversation, yeah. but eighty percent of the weight and the value and the gold should be coming from the guest.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense, man. Um nothing worse than a a show you get your guest on and then you're like, Hey, ladies, gentlemen, Travis. Cool. So let me, anyways, let me tell you how smart I am. (laughs) uh, Travis, you can learn too with everyone else. How smart I am. This is the, this is the how smart I am show, you know? And um, man, I've also thought it'd be fun to do like a, uh, a prank show where you just make it the worst podcast you possibly could. (laughs) I've thought that before too. Maybe, that too maybe we do like, need to pull you it, pull it do off. Do that too, right? <laughs> yeah. I wish people could call in, like, just well, like I, "I really hate my coworker. Could you please have them on your show?" Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Maybe you and I can co-host it, right? And so you, you know, like, you leave them sitting in the waiting room and don't even introduce them until it's the wrong name, in.
1: mispronounced, <laughs> like, yeah, tech intentional tech glitches. Yeah. Oh man, that would be brutal. Brutal and amazing all at once. I like it.
0: (laughs) Rise them with questions they don't know the answer to.
1: Oh, that would be good. Almost like an anti-podcast. Like, here's all the things you do wrong in a a show. Here's the opposite of the greatest show.
0: Right, right. (laughs) The worst show. (laughs) Creating the worst show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, touche. We might have something other. You might have uh, to cook
0: that up, man. That'll be fun. Nice. Uh, and then, you know, people can, you know, as a, here's, here's how you, you save it, right? We, we make it a fundraiser for charity. There and you go. Oh, now. If you want to put your coworker up to it, you, you uh, donate a hundred bucks. It'll go to some amazing charity. We'll save the children and we'll prank your coworker by having them on the worst podcast experience <laughs> they've ever had. Um, and then you will have, we'll have a hall of fame to see how long the guest stays on before they that just hang be, up for fun.
1: You I know? feel like there's a lot of people I would, that would be the worst part is just there's some poor gentle souls out there that would just be like, <laughs> Oh, it's all right. We could try again. Oh, totally. like,
0: don't worry. You can do it. And they are like, no, that's not the reaction we wanted. And you and I are so nice. We would just, we'd stop halfway. Like, look, dude, you've been on this yeah. thing for like three hours. We can't, yeah. we can't get like, them out. like from community. The, you know, Abed's just sitting there for like 19 hours. We're like, Abed, go home. Like, <laughs> please stop. You've been on this podcast for nine hours. Go, go away. Um, yeah, I mean, well... Well, this is really interesting. And so the final question on the prep, just to sort of clear things up. So what is the guest? Do they get materials in advance? Because you're not doing a prep call, right? Nothing like that. No. We
1: actually have uh, emphasized with most of our hosts, at least for efficiency, um, we do a lot of the filtering and the screening in our booking criteria. So Mm -hmm. we have a vividly rigid booking criteria, um, usually about five metrics that you meet, yes, no. It's as straight up as that, they are in this role, yes, no. They are in this industry, yes, no. This company size, yes, no. They are good on video or whatever other benefits are relevant to the show. Uh, If they meet three of the five requirements or more, they move through. If they don't, they're not a good fit. Um, So that's helped a lot of time in that bookings back and forth of, sure. hey, what do you think of this guy? Oh, he's good here, but maybe not this one. Oh, what do you think? Th-? And there's a lot of back and forth because it's so ambiguous. It's kind of abstract. It's people yeah. at all different levels. And they're like, okay, well, what if they work at this company, but they're not the right role? And like, right. it becomes so it getting ahead of those questions proactively really helps the producer or whoever's booking or even the host themselves Be very clear on who's a fit and who is not Um, so that does a lot of the work because if they're a ideal fit It's really about this again. Just cracking open the conversation So what we prep for guests is what I alluded to earlier of we give them the segments That are incoming of so the intro segment will just be a couple quick questions about your industry uh, the main interview will be about your process and your strategy specifically, and then we'll close with a fun little jelly bean game or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so all of that is in the event description, um, and then we use uh, pre-show sequences so to warm up. Especially, this is especially valuable for the biz dev side of things right. if you need to warm up people to who the host is um who the company is what your product your offer is like kind of leading them there um using the prep uh emails are a great touch point cuz mm-hmm. almost those are almost always opened like 80 90% of the time, yeah i mean it's a great point is, right again, yeah again not the same if you're in a sales sales sequence or a demo follow up those have maybe 10 20% if you're lucky Um, So it's a high open rate. Make sure everything is addressed that they need to know and then sprinkle in those snippets of building rapport and of strategy. And hey, by the way, this is what we do. Um, It's a great way to hit those both of those where you're warming up the guests, but it's not feeling overwhelming. Um, So that That can be as simple as one email 24 hours before Uh, other times we have three to five emails going out um, that are much more rigid sequence but in any case we have never shared direct list of questions um the back in the day oh, i guess we have and the results just weren't ever as great as running a more raw kind of bullet point level you can just feel yeah. You can feel it. <laughs> it's and then people start rehearsing answers. Oh and then gosh, if they gosh, mess yeah. up their rehearsed answer, they suddenly can't talk like a human again. You're like, oh, crap. Um, That's a thing, so, man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to completely knock it because there is a lot of value in preparation. Um, but I think just converting, invest that into very deep research instead of just listing the 10 best questions ever. Go find what their favorite sports team was in college or how they played baseball on this D2 team and ask about that. And they'll be like, Whoa, what the hell? Like that's like, that's where I would spend <laughs> that same amount of energy rather than going to ask chat GPT. What are 15 questions I can ask thought leaders in HR? Um, yeah, <laughs> keep, right? Just be human, be real. Fine. If you are going to invest in that preparation and that research, do it to go deep rather than to just get a list of questions.
0: It's a great point, man. I mean, it's like quality, not quantity, even on the prep that you provide for the host makes total sense, but you know, you got, you like broke my brain. So when you just, when you said like, you know, um, you don't share the actual questions with them, you, you you know, here's a surprise. It's like surprise. So here, here's your credit score. So tell me, how did you earn a nine twenty credit score? Uh, do, late payments or what? what's the deal there, you know, <laughs> brought to you by, you know, credit yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I'm, now I'm all thinking about cool things you could do, but you know, it's interesting. This is one thing we are both all about the connection and the relationship, but I, I do a prep call, which by, for the record you snuck by and didn't do yeah. <laughs> makes me sad, but, uh, but it's all good. Um, but you you prep them in a different way and you take advantage of the fact that there's a high risk that if they're not paying attention to either my prep call or your email flow, then they're going to look like an idiot on a podcast. So they should pay attention, right? Or go to a prep call or something. And so either way, we've got their attention. And I think we're both doing the same kind of thing. But from my perspective, I just like having a little bit more FaceTime with someone. You know, and it justifies like one more half hour call?
1: Yeah, no, it's a huge, so a huge piece of the puzzle we've discovered um, more so in managing multiple shows is the scalability here. Um, So reducing the touch point to one call, uh, but expanding the value of that touch point is what we've really trained a lot of our hosts to do. Sure. Uh, so similar to exactly, there is so much meta lessons going on here. Uh, but the green room, the backstage, the studio is actually one of the most valuable touch points that a lot Ooh. of people miss. So that chit chat we had for 10, 15 minutes before here
0: yeah. is
1: one of the best best uh, venues because people, their guard is down. They're not on air yet, but you still hold the frame of the conversation 100%. So they are in your realm and you can, can warm up. You can ask, Hey, how are the kids doing? Like whatever type of stuff. That's where a lot of the rapport gets going for a good show. Totally. And then after you hit uh, the end record button, You go right back to that green room where we can still chit chat. And that touch point, if you have that extra. So if you had 60 minutes allotted and you end the show at 40. Yep. That final 15, 20 minutes is one of the most valuable touch points in business uh, that I've seen. Because after that episode, especially if you've rocked it and they've they've. They had a good time. They're still buzzing. They just got the new high score at the end of that game. They're like, yeah, they're yeah. like, usually they're in this kind of ecstatic, excited mode.
0: Right. Now they know what earwax can, tastes you like. Open, you know, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, that is where we suggest a lot of the hosts uh, who are business owners or founders or sales closers really open the door to whatever they're deal is or their offer or their pitch. Just open the door for it, set the next sales call, set at least plant, plant it, do a tiny bit of discovery. Um, But anything you ask in that little window is going to be a very warm, receptive conversation uh, to move forward, whatever it is. Um, So don't underestimate the value of those studios because I essentially... Do the exact same thing, but instead of separating it to a separate call, the first fifteen minutes is essentially the prep call to alleviate any of those concerns. And then the afterwards, that's like the the after party. That's like when you go to a networking event or the conference. And then yeah. like there's the keynote from three to five, but five to seven where everybody's grabbing drinks and mingling and chit-chatting. That's where all the magic happens. Same thing with these point. podcast studios. So utilize that extra time, block more time than necessary for the show and leverage the front end and the back end of that studio as yeah. much as possible.
0: Makes total sense that that's... It, before the show starts, that's like a prep call and but just smooshed into the first call, but talk to me about the magic at the end, the green room after the show. uh, Tell me about the magic that goes there. Our brains are mush. We just finished the show, but we're happy. We we know each other. Well, now we just ate earwax. Mm -hmm. Like what kind of things do you advise people discuss? And you mentioned a few, like, do you have a set order or how, how do you, what do you do?
1: Yeah. So uh, I often love giving people clarity And simplicity. So uh, I basically set the stage of like, yo, you rocked it. That was amazing. That was one of my favorite episodes so far. Um, So here's pretty simple we'll send this off to the editor. They'll get this all polished up. Um, We'll look, we'll get clips from it. Uh, Do you have a content team we could share this with? So that's my. Leverage into now understanding a little bit more of their business and their company. So making it sound simple. Next steps are: Hey, we're gonna share this episode. You'll have three to five clips you can use on TikTok, LinkedIn. They do really great. Um, kind of setting the tone there. Yeah. And then I go into: Do you have a content team? Do you have a social media manager? Do you have other people? Like, and now it starts opening the door to. Well, no, we don't have a content team, but I have a bunch of stuff from last year. We're trying to get posted um, or you you start hearing these conversations um, and it starts for me. uh, Again, I have another meta element um, when I'm at the end of the show. I basically can ask and set the stage of like, now imagine if you were sitting in my seat and we set up a show with your dream client here on the other end. Would that be something you're interested in?
0: Talk to me yes, about that, yes. man. Because I, I struggle with that, <laughs> right? So my struggle with that is I feel like I, sometimes I, I care too much what people think about me, and and I also love relationships. So sometimes I'm I really struggle at the end. Like I I feel like I just made a new friend. Now I feel that way. The guest doesn't always feel that way, but like yeah, we just had a connection, and now I'm going to go ask if you've ever had a podcast, and you like you know what, like, and they're going to know it's a, like a sales pitch, and I'm going to know it's. A, so do you just do it anyways, or do you, is there a certain way you say it?
1: Um, it's contextual. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm essentially using that piece as discovery. So yeah. I go through and understand again, through our booking criteria, I already know they're a good fit to come on the show Yeah. from the start. Right. Um, and a lot of the times with the hosts we're working with, the goal from the start is to close a deal and close a sale. Uh, So they are very open to it. I skew far more to your side of like, oh, I don't want to push, but I'm happy to help. Um, And it's just truly recognizing, like, I have the confidence in this system and this approach that it genuinely, for the people that have meet meet our criteria, I know it is a genuine fit that can help their business. Um, We even have it in our guarantee and our promise that I will work with you until you generate X amount of revenue back, um, which is usually one deal, one or two yeah, deals right? from, from the type of people that we're working with. Um, so it's really not that far of a stretch for me. Uh, but I essentially use that back end as discovery to go through the checklists. Are they interested? Are they able? Do they have a current team attached to a content strategy? Is there a content strategy at all? Right. Um, is another signal. Um, so it's genuinely... If all the metrics have aligned, I am confident it's a good fit to help them. I can feel less salesy or manipulative or like I used to kind of frame it as like it's kind of like it's like a Trojan horse sales strategy of like you bring them in. um, But if it's truly value driven um the piece that you have to consider here is you've invested a lot into them at this point too True. you've invested your show your platform sure. your authority you've ideally you've made them look awesome sound awesome feel awesome uh, you're giving them long form content 30 yep. to 60 minutes of hd video and then a whole stash of micro content and clips right. that they get there so there's a value equation that has stacked up yeah. that they definitely even at minimum if they're just taking the call to to appease you, um, they're still an appropriate value exchange. If you've done your job right now, if you just use this and you have a plain Jane, super boring, unbranded podcast, you send out a thousand invites, you Mm -hmm. get a hundred people on the show, use it as a numbers game sales funnel. No, it's not going to work. It's a very hyper strategic, hyper focused, uh, value proposition that you stack up over the days, over the weeks, over the months sometimes is how sure. long it takes to get some of these booked. Sure, And there is a lot of value in what you're bringing to the table. So I think at minimum opening the door to that conversation is very fair, especially if they liked what happened and they're like, that was awesome. Yeah, I did definitely want to do that. Um, so yeah, I think the ask is there and if it's targeted enough that you're providing the right value, I I don't feel super salesy and you don't, cl- it's not about closing a deal or anything in that end things. It's about opening the door. Yeah. Um, a lot of these big ticket someone, right? deals and B2B yeah. are six, seven figure contracts that take a year to close. Um so just getting the door open through the podcast to now follow up and there's 6 months of the actual selling <laughs> and meeting with board people on the board right. and all that stuff is truly that's where even a, a portion of a challenge of our system comes in is lost. this could be very long sales cycles so the people yeah. we're plugging in and feeding right now might not turn to revenue for months possibly years. True. Um so I think just, yeah, it's just nudging it forward in a organic, helpful way.
0: Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. I can't wait to get you in my green room and, yeah. and, uh, and meta <laughs> here, all these gonna, things back at you. Yeah. But dude, thank you so much for coming on here. Where can people, they want to get in touch. They want to talk your, about your content system, help with podcasts, whatever the case may be. Where do they go? How do they talk to you? How do they talk to Beast Node? All that jazz.
1: Yes, uh, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I've spent most of my post pandemic era developing a video content system that operates as a content engine and a sales engine all in one. So for founders, busy executives or quote unquote closers um, that just want to open the door for big ticket relationships, we've developed a system that can get you set up with a YouTube channel, a podcast, a live stream. We find your fit for your personality, your style, your business, and we build out that whole production. Uh, So we've turned it into a one hour a week investment, essentially turns into a long form series and daily content. So we've tapped into a hyper-efficient solution for a very niche target uh, audience of folks. But if that is your type of fit, uh, where you really understand the value of content, but you haven't been able to plug it into your business, we connect those dots. Uh, So either through a coaching and training program to do it yourself and get it going, Or just hand it off, throw it over here, um, and we'll fully take care of it top to bottom. So the best way to get started on that journey is thebeastnode.com is the easiest way. It's just a one-pager of our offer, our setup. Uh, And then the more human and direct approach would be to connect with me on LinkedIn Travis Lochner, L-A-C-H-N-E-R, and that is where 90% of my social and business interactions go down. Um, and I also share a lot of this, uh, these systems, these content and that advice uh, on LinkedIn. So those would be the best two avenues, the thebeastnode.com and hunt me down on LinkedIn.
0: Cool, man. Dude, that all sounds fantastic, making it happen. You are a gentleman and a scholar and a wizard of the high seas of the podcasting world. Dude, thank you so much for coming on here, hanging out and teaching me a whole bunch of cool stuff.
1: Likewise. Thank you for the opportunity, man.
0: Hell yeah. For those listening, if you learned something, I freaking know you did, because I literally have two pages of notes over here, (laughs) back, then share this thing with someone else. One person, two people, 5,000 people, whatever, but then put your take on it, not just whatever I heard, you know, said or whatever Travis said, but like, what did you hear from this? And, and go forth and podcast and enjoy the hell out of that and, and sell a bunch of deals and have a great time doing it. Travis, thank you again, sir. You're the man. Thank you. All right, everyone. This has been a crazy cool episode of creating the greatest show. Stay tuned for creating the worst show on next. And uh, until then we will see you all next time. and next time doesn't have to be next week life's too short and we have way too much to talk about find show notes full of takeaways lessons and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com for more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com until then friends whatever you do do it with all your might work at it if necessary early and late in season and out of season not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour that which can be done just as well now pt barnum